I want to teach you this morning a little bit about uh, hearing God. This is fitting in with the series. I know Vern started one last week where he talked to you about the voice of God and what that sounds like. And uh, I usually tell people, I ask people, you know, what does the voice of, sound, the voice of God sound like? Uh, and I tell them that it's, God sounds a lot like you, only smarter. <laughs> That's not an insult, but I'll tell you why. Um, he is smarter. I mean, we know that. But he wants you to understand him. And he wants to communicate to you. So why would he make it difficult? Why would he make it tricky? Why would he make it hard? And I'm convinced we make it more difficult than it really is. And God wants to speak to us. He wants to help us learn how to hear him. And um, he, he, wants, he wants you to hear him because he, he knows that when you hear him, you're going to repeat what you hear. So that's why the title of my message this morning is Repeating God, because I think that's what he wants from us. And uh, I, I believe the Bible is a clear book that has a simple, pl clear, plain meaning. I don't see the Bible as a mystical book that's difficult to understand. I know there's parts that are uh, more difficult than others. But essentially, God speaks because he wants us to get it. So I, I believe it's the same way with hearing God. The Bible says, you know, all God's sheep hear his voice. You can hear his voice. You wouldn't be here this morning if you weren't hearing his voice in some way. And so I just want to encourage you a little bit about the simplicity of it. And I think that God is about restoring to us the relationship that we've had in the past with Adam and Eve had with God where he spoke to them and they listened and spoke back to him. There was an ongoing conversation. And uh, I think we can have that kind of ongoing conversation every day, uh, and God wants to talk to us. I think he's speaking all the time. I love the name of your series, is it Channels? Uh, because I think he's talking all the time. We just have to tune. It's like a, he's like a radio station that's beaming his word out all the time. Scripture says, who, him, him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so he's always talking, and we just have to tune and, and listen. You know, the very first thing that the devil said when he came to Adam and Eve in the garden was, did God say? He went straight for the listening, hearing relationship, and he said, did God say? And he, what he did is he wanted to cast doubt on their ability to hear and also doubt on what he actually said and, and, and eventually doubt on whether he even speaks at all. And so today we have many people that would love to hear affirming words from God, would love to hear what he's saying, but aren't sure that he speaks. Some have been told he doesn't speak anymore. He just gave us a book. I love the book, but he also still talks. And uh, so the, this is the devil's strategy to go after the words of God. It's the word of God. Everything we see, including us, was created by the, the words of God. He sustains and holds everything together by the words of his mouth. His word is what governs us, that guides us, it comforts us. The list could go on. All this comes from what comes out of his mouth. So that's why the enemy is so set on destroying this thing of us hearing him. Um, so I, I want, I'm going to tell you some stories today. Uh, one of them is about Ken Kime, who I know is a member here. And uh, I'm also going to give you what I believe is the single most important theological thing, big word, don't worry about that, but the most important thing that the church today needs to understand about why Jesus came to the earth. Uh, 
So I'm calling it repeating God. Cheryl and I have two grandchildren. One is four, Jude is the oldest, he's four, and, and uh, Chloe is two. But one of the things you learn as a grandparent that you forget you know, through the years is that children repeat what they, what they hear. <laughs> so I was upstairs one day, and I don't know what Judah was doing, and I said, no, be careful, or you'll have a big problem. Well, he heard the big problem, so all day he was repeating, big problem, big problem. And I, didn't, you know, I thought, wow, I've got to really be careful that I just don't say scary or negative things or something he's going to take home to mom. Uh, <laughs> But that's what children do, that's how they learn, is they repeat. They hear something, they lock onto it, they grab it, they use it, they learn to use it, they're happy about that. And that's what the, the prophetic gift really is, is repeating God, just repeating. Can I, can I have three people up here, just real quick for a, a this, is, this is gonna be easy, you don't have to say anything. Come on, up, come on up here, just three people. You're scared, I'm not gonna do anything bad, okay. You can stay there, and I need three people right here. No, one, one more. Come on. So you three, this is, this is the Trinity. This is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You guys talk amongst each other. Have a conversation about him. So here, here, here this guy, who's my host this morning, let, he needs to hear something from God. He needs encouragement, something like that. What I can do is I can go and eavesdrop and just hear something that God, either Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is saying about him. And then I take it to him, and I just say, I, I think I just heard God say this about you, that you're a great guy, you're a great host, all right? All right, you can all sit down. Give him a hand. Um, but God not only wants us to hear, but he wants us to speak what we hear and repeat it. And this is one of the reasons the enemy doesn't want us to learn to hear, because he's afraid that will repeat what we hear. And that's what he doesn't like. And with evangelism, with sharing and bringing hope to people, it's very important that we are able to hear him so we can pass on what he says. And essentially, prophecy is just eavesdropping, asking God, listening to what he's saying, and then repeating it to someone else. Very simple. Um, Exodus 20:19, Israel said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen but don't let God speak to us lest we die. They were afraid that, they, they were afraid to hear God. And I think there's something because of sin in us that makes us reluctant to hear or makes us feel like we can't hear. And so we would prefer that someone else do the listening for us. But did you find out yet that there are people that are happy to take that place? They're happy to listen for you. And there is a prophetic office and gift in the church that's very important where God does speak to people for us, and uh, I've been blessed many times by this, but actually, God wants every Christian to be able to hear. And it's, part, it's one of your uh, divine rights as a child is to be able to hear the voice of God yourself. And I believe everybody can hear God. Moses, even in the Old Testament, he said, I wish to God that all God's people would prophesy. And then in the New Testament, it's repeated again, you can all prophesy one by one. And so I believe this is something for everybody. And in the Old Testament, we have uh, God presenting the prophets, I believe, as the ideal Christian. Usually when I say that, the prophets in the room cheer. But essentially what a prophet is, is simply someone who hears from God, or hears God, and then repeats what they hear. That's all they do, basically. It's a very simple 
job is just to repeat what they hear. But I believe that every Christian can repeat what they hear God saying, and it can be something simple to give to someone in the mall or at work or at home uh, that he's saying. Not necessarily predictive, but encouraging and guiding. So I, I believe that prophecy is very central to the new covenant. Usually when I ask Christians, why, why did Jesus die? They will say, uh, so that I can be forgiven of my sins and go to heaven. And that's true, that's, but that's just the beginning point. That's the doorway, that's the entry, is that we all have this problem with our sins that, that we've already committed and we need to deal with. Well, Jesus died to pay for those, uh, and yes, that does give you your eternity in heaven with him, but there's so much more. And I believe Jesus died to actually restore the speaking, listening, hearing relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden. And so that's one of the things he wants to do to every believer. Now, to prove to you that this is central to the new covenant, I think Vern used this verse last week, Jeremiah 31, 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law, my written words of law, within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In other words, I've, I've given you a book in the Law and the Prophets, the Old Testament, but in the New Covenant, I'm going to go much beyond that, and I'm actually going to write my will on your hearts. And that's what a relationship with Jesus will give us. It happens on our hearts, and that's not to diminish the Bible. I've spent my life studying the Bible. It's very important. It is the authoritative uh, scriptures that, we, that he guides us with, but God goes beyond that in a relationship with us. You know that the Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. Okay, I probably just offended a third of you. The Holy Scripture is the words of the Trinity. It's the word of God. It is very important. It carries authority, but the, the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is more than a doctrinal thing. It's a person. It is a person of God, and we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Then also, Isaiah 59, this is probably the hinge verse for the New Covenant. Verse 21, God says, and, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. It's pretty clear he's going to give a definition. My spirit that is upon you, and my words that I've put in your mouth, shall not depart out of your mouth, or out of the mouth of your offspring, or from the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. This is the verse that Peter preached on at Pentecost. And if you compare the messages, you can see the roots of his Pentecost message in that. When I first read this when I was younger, I thought it was saying that the, the word of God should never depart from my mouth, that I should always be quoting scripture. So I had to memorize scripture to do it, and that's a good thing. That's how Cheryl and I kept out of trouble when we were dating. We memorized chapters of the Bible. It's a good thing. But it, then as I read it now, it says these are words that he's going to put in my mouth. So what he's saying, the new covenant, is that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, and he speaks to you, and he also can put words in your mouth. So God wants your ears, and he wants your mouth, and prophecy is simply inspired speech. And uh, as Reinhard Bunke says, God's words are as powerful in your mouth as they are in his, because they are his words.
and things that you can say to people can be life-changing. Particularly right now, I believe God wants to use our mouths to encourage other people. The world is in desperate need of hope right now. And there are people all around us that are living with, uh, and, and actually, you know, us as well included, but there is high anxiety, there is fear, there's questions about the future, all those kinds of things. And we desperately need to hear from the God of all hope. And I think that's one of the things that prophecy does. I believe that when Jesus was on the earth, he did everything that he did as a man with perfect hearing. So he heard what the Father was saying. He said, I only do what I saw or see the Father doing. And so he was God, but he laid his divinity aside, and he did what he did as a man. So this is an example for us. And if you think about the woman at the well, he used the prophetic gift to open her heart uh, to be able to listen to him. And it can be something very simple. I'm going to tell you a couple stories that are really sort of simple and funny, but really impacted people. The one took place in the Dominican Republic. I was down there at a YWAM convention, and we were prophesying over missionaries. Uh, YWAM does this every two years in the Caribbean. And Caribbean's a good place to get called to in the winter when the Holy Spirit wants you to go somewhere. So I'm down there with teams, and we have appointments with all the missionaries. There's 300 and some. The one couple is there with their three children, and one of our elders is there with me, and we're prophesying over them, just speaking words of life. And I'm listening, like, God, what do you want to say to them? And Cheryl and the other elders couple, they were just given amazing words. I'm supposed to the team, be the team leader, and I'm beginning to feel sort of small. And all I'm hearing is this one word, fluffy. I thought, you, you know, no, 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 I'm not going to say anything about fluffy, no, no. Um, there's got to be something else. I, you know, it's like, that can't be you, God. So I just, I just heard this over and over, and, and finally, it, it was time, the, the, the appointment was just about over time-wise. And then I heard, uh, tell them that Fluffy's okay. That was a little better. So I just said, listen, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I felt like I heard God tell me to tell you that Fluffy's okay. So immediately, two of the three young girls began to cry. Here what happened is they had two cats named, one of them named Fluffy, and uh, they found a home for the one, but Fluffy they didn't find a home for, so they dropped Fluffy off at a shelter on the way to the Miami airport before they went to the island where they're serving for a couple years. But the girls would often say, I wonder if Fluffy's okay. So God cares. He cares about children, he cares about cats, apparently. Uh, <laughs> theologically debatable. But God sent me from Pennsylvania to them to tell the two girls that Fluffy was fine. So I felt real important that day. But you know, prophecy is just repeating something you hear God say. Many times people consider prophecy predicting future events, and right now, if you're reading Facebook, which I think you shouldn't, particularly during the fast, but there's just all kinds of end times baloney, honestly, eschatological baloney on there about what's happening and what's going to happen. Prophecy doesn't have as much to do about figuring out who the Antichrist is as it does with encouraging somebody with something you hear from God. I, I, personally, I would, I would forget about trying to figure out all the details about the bad, hairy ending that's going to happen and just focus on making disciples. 
All right. So God wants to use your mouth. He wants to talk to you, and he wants to talk through you. Um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So this is a verse that's for you. We should desire earnestly spiritual gifts, and there's, there's nine of the charismata they are called in 1 Corinthians. But, but it, then it says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So the Bible's continually pointing to the fact that prophecy is the most effective gift that we should learn how to use. So I want to encourage you, if I were doing anything right now uh, to prepare for evangelizing or working with people, I would learn how to hear God and how to relay what you hear. I think it's very helpful, very important. The Bible even tells us not to despise prophecy. He doesn't say that about healing or any of the other gifts, but that one he says it, and so it's important for us. Um, I used to think that prophecy was for just a, a special group of people. I used to think that you either had it or you didn't. I now believe, A, that we can all prophesy. It's not just special people that can hear God. Um, but I also believe it's something that you can learn. It's not something that you either have or you don't. I think all the gifts can be learned, and that happens by, if I can be so unspiritual as to say it happens by trial and error and learning. You have to step out and, and, and just use it. Um, I think, I'll, I'll tell you a, a story about Ken. I, I took Ken Kime. Uh, Ken Kime used to attend Ephrata Community Church, and I took him with me to a conference in Kansas City that Mike Bickle was hosting. And the one night Mike was speaking, we, it was a banquet, so I'm at a table with Ken and a couple other guys that went with me. And uh, there were a few other people at the table, including a young lady named Jill, who was uh, a lecturer at the medical college in Chicago. Jill was very quiet that night, and I thought it's just because maybe she was younger and we were talking about things she didn't connect with maybe as easy. But when we were done with dinner, one of the guys says, let's, let's pray for Jill. So I said, I, I wanted to go back to my room, to be honest with you, but I said, okay, sure, we'll do this. So we lay hands on Jill and begin to pray, and it isn't long before Ken goes off on a nursery rhyme. He says, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, and Jill found the water, but Jack hurt his head and fell down, sort of a variation of it. And I'm like, oh boy, I just, I brought this guy along, he's, 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 He's giving nursery rhymes to talk to this young lady, and doesn't he know she's a doctor? So at any rate, Jill's crying by this time. Mascara's running, and uh, Jill explains that a couple weeks before, she was engaged to a guy named Jack. And they heard of a place where God was pouring out the Holy Spirit. There was a lot of good things happening, and they went there uh, just to, to check it out and to receive. And Jill was very impacted by the, by the meetings, but Jack was offended. He had all kinds of questions in his head. So that's what, that's what it meant that he hurt his head. He was offended in his head. And it created such a tension between them that she wasn't sure if they should continue their engagement to get married. So she broke up the relationship, broke the engagement, which must have been very hard for Jack and her. But she came to that conference asking God, did I do the right thing? Uh, should have I not done this? Will you please give some confirmation? And Ken Kimes' nursery rhyme prophecy 
gave her what she needed. Isn't that cool? I still hear from her. Every couple years, I'll get an email from Jill. Just uh, let me know how she's doing. But prophecy works a little bit like Kleenexes. Uh, that you, sometimes you hear just something very simple. And I want to encourage you to be able to go with that with just one word. So we're waiting for a paragraph or at least a sentence or a complete thought. And uh, God might be gracious to you and give you that. But many times I think we wait for the polished, you know, something. But he might just speak one word. And if we take that and receive it by faith, oops, another one comes right behind it. And sometimes... I'll, when I'm praying for someone, I'll just pray for them, and God will say one little thing, and I'll give it, and something else pops up, and more will come. And it, it requires us just to be able to start or to say what we were given. A similar story uh, to illustrate that was when I was also at a YWAM uh, convention, and I was teaching on the prophetic gift, and afterwards we wanted to prophesy over and pray for everybody. And um, I came to this one young man who was sitting on a chair, and I laid my hands on his shoulders, and a couple of us started to prophesy over him. And I didn't hear anything except mountain climbing. And again, it was one of those things, do I really just say that because it has nothing to do with anything that I could think of? So then I started thinking, oh, he must, God must want to encourage him to keep persevering and keep climbing and keep, you know, the going might be hard, but just keep going. And then I, heard, I felt this check is, no, don't embellish it. Don't say something I didn't give you. Just tell them what I said. So I just said to the guy, I said, I don't know, but does it mean, does mountain climbing mean anything to you? And he turned around and looked at me and stood up out of his chair. And he said, you know what? When you were teaching, I didn't believe anything you were saying. Because I didn't believe that these gifts of the Spirit are for today. And I told God, if what he's saying is true, tell him what my hobby is. So then he starts telling me the mountains he's climbed, which I wouldn't even think of climbing. And uh, he sits, sits back down and we prophesy over him some more. So what God was doing there is just honoring this poor guy's request. And it convinced him of the reality of the gift of prophecy. And away he went. You know, God is not averse to helping us sometimes. Sometimes we're nervous about making mistakes when it comes to hearing and repeating. Because the Bible even says we hear in part, we speak in part, and then, of course, we can be wrong. And I think it's good for us to keep a humble attitude. And particularly, you know, if you're saying, if you're giving Scripture to somebody, that's very safe. If it's something that's scriptural or close to Scripture, very safe. We have to be careful about directive words that actually encourage somebody to do something. And when someone gives me a prophetic word that's directive, I don't act on it. I've got dozens of them that I put on the shelf, and I wait for confirmation. But there's a, there's a harbor in Italy that's very dangerous to get in, uh, a narrow point where you go into the harbor, and there's rocks on both sides, and a lot of ships have shipwrecked at the harbor. So the town put three lights in a row up on the hill on the mountainside, and so what the sailors do is they take their boat and they, they know that if they have the, the lights lined up that they can go through safe without shipwreck. And so I teach people, particularly with guidance, uh, be sure, A, number one, the first light is scripture. Make sure that what you're hearing, what you're saying, what you're repeating, what you're thinking about acting on, make sure that it's 
aligned with the Bible. God will not say anything today that isn't aligned with Scripture. The second light is the subjective word of the Holy Spirit. God might put it on your heart. It could be the still small voice inside. It could be a prophetic word that someone gives you. But then always, before you act, also look for some kind of practical, circumstantial confirmation. And that could be someone else that says, I really, that, that bears witness with me, I think it's right. It could be God's provision of finances to do it. Uh, could be God opening a door that wasn't open before and really confirming that this word was true. And uh, I always look for those kinds of things, and God is very happy to give confirmation. So that's, that's just a safeguard to you in guidance, because I know that, uh, that, that we, do, we hear things sometimes we're not sure about, and it's, it's important for us to check it. Um, I, wanna, I think I'm just going to close by praying for you. And one of the things I like to do, you know, Jesus, when someone, um, if they're deaf and they couldn't hear, he would speak to the ears and he would say, be opened. And there's a couple places in the Old Testament in the context of the prophetic gift. In fact, in Job, there's one place where it talks about, indeed, God speaks once or twice and no one notices it, which is pretty sad. But it says, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men, while their slumber is in their beds, he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. And I believe God can speak to you through a dream. I'm going to pray for you, and some of you might have a dream tonight. He might speak to you through scriptures. Do you ever read along and just a scripture just sort of jumps out, and you know God's saying something through that particular verse? Or it could be through someone else. Or he might give you something for someone else. He has a lot of different ways of speaking, but I just want to pray that he activates your hearing. All right, can I do that? I'm going to call Jimmy then. Just let me pray. Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for all that you're doing here. And for everybody that's here, whether this is a new topic to them or they've been hearing God for a long time, I ask you today in the name of Jesus that you activate our hearing. I speak to your ears in Jesus' name, your spiritual ears, and I just say be open. And I ask you, God, to activate the prophetic gifting, to hear. I ask for faith to speak. I ask you for dreams, visions, confirmations, all the various ways that you use to speak to your people. I ask you to release it and to bring it up a notch in Jesus' name. Teach us how to use it to reach the lost and how to encourage each other. And I thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks for that. Could you? I remember, um, you know, I, I would meet Christians, the weird ones like Barry, before I came to faith in Christ, and then several after. They were the ones that helped me come to faith in Christ, and several after. They would talk about hearing God. They said, God told me this, or God said that. And I remember, you know, if you're new to this, and some of you should be. If we're doing church right, we should have people here today. This is all new to you. I want to encourage you. That's okay. Everyone needs a new beginning. I said everyone's, that's what I said earlier, right? Everyone's got a next step. Maybe your next step is to go on this journey. But anyway, going back to my story, when I was, um, before I came to Christ and afterwards, I would wonder, I'd hear people talk about hearing God, and I'd want to know, like, okay, I, what do they mean? Are they hearing a voice? hearing a voice in their head, scarier still. I do whatever little voices in my head tell me, you know, that kind of thing. 
and I realized, you know, just like the Bible, when you read the Bible, if you don't have a relationship with God, it, it's a very just confusing book. At least it was to me. And there's a lot of reason. When I when I met Lydia, um, we had been building a relationship, and some of you've heard me tell the story about discovering her diaries. And I, I, I they were sitting. I, her parents, when I came to visit them with my uh, now my brother-in-law and my my sister-in-law. As I was the guest, they put me in Lydia's room and put Lydia out on the couch. I know it's terrible, but it's what happened. <clears throat> well, so I'm in her room and her diaries are just sitting there on her desk. Yeah, I did it. I did it. I was bad. Totally. It was totally evil. I confessed after we were married. Anyway, um, I I, uh, I wanted to make sure I got her first, though. But anyway, I uh, I... The reason I could understand the stuff in the diary is because I had a relationship with her that gave me context about what she was talking about. And, and, and the Bible is kind of God's diary. It's his history. It's his plans for the future. And, and, and so as you enter into a relationship with Jesus, that's when you get to understand not only the scriptures, but the voice of God. And there's this passage in Isaiah 59 that moved me. And it was, I was reading along, barely understanding the Bible, but I understood this real well. I come to Isaiah 59 and it says, God's arm's not short that it cannot save and his ear deaf that he doesn't hear you, but your sins have separated you from your God. That's the bad news, right? Your sins have separated you from God. Here's the good news. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins and rise again that those who believe in him wouldn't have to bear the penalty of their sin, which is eternal separation from God, in a lake of fire, no less, they don't have to bear that punishment. They can have their sins forgiven just by simply believing and making him Lord of their life, entering a covenant, letting Jesus call the shots. And so I did that. You know what I noticed? When I said yes to Jesus, my sins are no longer separated. In fact, what Paul the Apostle said would happen, happened that, that Paul said, we're pleading with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Folks, I'm doing the same thing to you today. Why live outside of the grace of God? Why live outside of covenant when Jesus already paid the way? And it doesn't matter how grievous you think your sins are. He died for all of them. But it does require that we confess them to him, acknowledge that we need him because of our sins, get our sins forgiven, and then start the relationship where he unpacks his diary and he begins to lead you by the Holy Spirit. And I know some of you need to enter into that today. Would you stand on your feet? Here's what I want to do. Which can, I'm just going to ask you to do something all of you, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? And it's not to hide from, so you can't see what's going on in the room. It's to give you some personal time inside yourself, that inner space inside you. And I want you to ask God an honest question. God, where am I at with you really? All the justifications, if I go to church or I hang out with Christians, I do all this kind of stuff doesn't save you. It's entering a covenant relationship with Jesus that does. And would you just ask God, where am I at with you right now? And if you're not right with God, what happens is this thing called conviction happens inside you. And actually, it's the beginning of hearing God's voice where you become aware, okay, I'm not right with God. And I need what's being offered. And I want this in my life. And, and, and you begin to respond. That's conviction. That's the Holy Spirit inviting you in. I want to encourage you not to resist that today. 
If that's you right now, if you're saying, you know, I've not made a covenant with Jesus, I've not surrendered to his leadership, at least not really. And today I want to enter into that. Would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? Come on. Yeah. Several of you, five, six. Anybody else? Good. Awesome. Eight or nine of you. Okay, I can't, I couldn't see it fast, but listen. I want you, we're going to pray right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus in. But before I do, I'm going to talk to the rest of the room that, that evidently is doing this, knows Jesus. Some of you may say, yeah, I know Jesus, but man, this season has put me in a place of hardness and a place of deafness and, and the hurts inside and all the voices on the outside of people saying all these different things has confused me and I'm lacking clarity and I want to move into a season, maybe this 21 days that you're doing or, or something, but I want to move into a season of, of God opening my ears to hear and teaching me this, the, the learning part of this. And if that's you, you say, yeah, I want that. Would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? It should be most of the rest of you. <laughs> I got my hand raised high. I feel competent at this, yet I feel like the season's been tough. Put your hands down. But let's pray. Pray something like this. Pray, say, God, first I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and open my ears to hear and take me on this journey of hearing God and speaking for God a word of hope that desperately needs it. I ask for your grace when I mess up to correct me, to restore me, and to continue to lead me until I become like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give God thanks for those people who said yes to Jesus today.